Welcome to the next episode of Fueling Success, an athlete story, where we talk with Division One and professional athletes. Our guest today is Ellie Davis, a former Division One runner at Marist University and now a graduate runner at Suffolk University. Welcome to the show. Hi, um, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to be on today. So yeah, my name is Ellie. I'm 22 and I am getting my MBA um, at Suffolk University in Boston. And I used to play soccer and run at Marist in New York. And I had actually never run before my sophomore year of college. And um, I played soccer like all my life. I got recruited to play D1 soccer. Um, I committed when I was 16 years old. So I was a junior in high school. And then after my freshman year um, at college, I quit and transitioned into running. And it's really been great. I love it. Um, I'm so grateful that I got to experience like two different sports at such a high level. Um, But yeah, there were definitely some struggles along the way with like making sure I was consuming like adequate calories and like nourishing my body to be the best athlete i could be yeah no you've you've been through a lot um and we've so for obviously everyone listening ellie and i have actually been working together for a couple years on her nutrition and she's come a long way (laughs) um great improvements and yeah i always found that fascinating that you were recruited for one d1 sport and then just transitioned to another sport and you know i've seen this with other people actually one of the other guests on this show used to play soccer picked up running and now is running d1 but she, she she switched in high school and then got recruited for a runner, came on as a runner. You were recruited as soccer and you were good enough to play Division One soccer and then also good enough to be a Division One runner, which is incredible. And yeah, not only were you running, I mean, you crushed it. You're continuing to crush it. Uh, just this past weekend, right, at uh, conference championships with Suffolk, you won the 5K and the 3K, which is incredible. And it, it so obviously just shows, obviously, natural athleticism you were able to pick it up right away but it also shows determination because for a while you struggled with your eating right yeah yeah um i feel like to say for a while would be really like downplaying in yeah um it was definitely more than a while but um it's really crazy to think about even just like the two years I think it's been like two years that like we've been working together like how far I've come and just like now I am 22 almost 23 it's probably been like an ongoing like 10 year process at this point like it's crazy to think where I was when I was literally like in middle school um to where I am now yeah so you struggled with an eating disorder for a while right yeah, so um, it was really bad about like eighth grade to my sophomore year in high school. I was like in an admitted like inpatient program um, and then like was able to transition to a day program and then like a partial day program. But it was like a very, very long and intense process. Um, I actually feel like I've kind of like trauma blocked some of it out. Yeah. Well, that's how um, the brain works. (laughs) Yeah. But no, like it was crazy. Um, But definitely like the hardest, but best thing I've ever done 
because I mean I was ruining myself Mm -hmm. and like everything like I could like have to offer but I was also like literally ruining like everyone around me yeah and I guess how how did it all come about like did a parent a coach say something did you go up to someone and say hey I think I have a problem like because I know a lot of a lot of athletes struggle with disordered eating and they they don't know where to start they're embarrassed or they're afraid to say anything it's like what happened with you like how did that start something wasn't 100 percent right because um i would just be like in like i was in eighth grade um and i was like body check all the time i would be like literally just so deathly afraid to like consume anything i went from being like i remember my mom saying this i remember um like so vividly I went from being like such like a good like eater like I was like always such like a good like breakfast eater about like having good breakfast before I like left for school and then I went to like literally eating like a handful of Cheerios Mm -hmm. and then like nothing else and what do you think caused Um, that like what brought that on um I think it was a lack of control honestly and like when it comes down to it that is what an eating disorder is no matter like what you're feeling a loss of control about it's about like having something in your life that you can control Mm -hmm. so I remember I was actually playing basketball and one of my friend's moms who is a pediatrician went over to my parents and was like if my daughter look like that she wouldn't be playing any sports until she put on 20 pounds um and I don't know what had been like going through my parents minds um like when I got to that point but yeah I don't really know because I think it's hard to see your child like change I don't even know if they like noticed but whatever it's gotta be difficult um, yeah that's true. yeah but so after that um I remember going home and my parents were just like come upstairs and like step on the scale and at that point I was like oh my god and I think I was also like kind of delusional because I didn't really know like what I was doing um but uh, I stepped on the scale and obviously it was a very low number. Um, and I don't want to say like my parents were mad at me because they weren't mad. Okay. Um, but they were just like, yeah, like whatever you've been doing, like you can't be doing anymore. Yeah. And like, I feel like that was kind of like, not like the breaking point but like when they started to put all the pieces together like they could like replay like mm-hmm. things like in their head yeah and, like, okay it all makes sense they now. started realizing they didn't notice it and it's really important what you said there where they didn't get mad but they were basically concerned and worried because it so many kids like i said are worried about that like worried about how their parents are going to react they feel like they're going to get in trouble for this and i've literally gotten dms from athletes boys and girls 
And what they are saying basically is they are struggling with an eating disorder. And whether they sometimes they realize it, and sometimes they or sometimes they don't realize it, and sometimes they actually do like know they have an eating disorder. And I'm like, okay, let's you know talk. We can talk about the nutrition coaching program. Let's you know get your parents on a call. And they're like, oh, my parents don't know I'm struggling. And I'm afraid to tell them. And and I understand that, right? Because you're afraid. You're doing. I mean, technically, you're doing something wrong, but you're not doing it wrong. And I think that's the important thing, right? It's something's taking over you. And what you're doing isn't something that's worth or isn't something that's troublesome or it's not troubling to the point where you should be punished for it. No, you need help. And at the end of the day, your parents are concerned and they're worried and want the best for you. So they might not know how to handle it, um, but it just takes that initial you know, either you tell them, someone else tells them, like, you were fortunate where, yeah, yeah, your teammate's mom was a doctor and they and she came up and told your parents and that that started it because who knows where you'd be right now if. Yeah, I mean, happen. I know I definitely wouldn't have gone to my parents and said, yeah, hey, I think something is wrong. No, no, definitely not. No, it's that's big. And obviously, you've come a long way with that. And what's tricky, though, is you, you got the help, but it never goes away completely, right? Yeah, no, it definitely doesn't. And I don't want that to be, like, a scary thought for everyone out yeah. there who is struggling. Um, it doesn't go away, but it gets so much easier Yeah, to a point where, like, you can right. live. And when I say it doesn't go away, I mean, like, it It basically, it um, it, it lingers or it, it'll pop back and forth, but it's not as severe. Like, you'll yeah. get restrictive thoughts once in a while or, you know, you know you need to eat carbs and you will, but you think, you know, this portion is good when it really needs to be much bigger or something like that. Like, little things like that. And one thing you mentioned was stress or, or lack, um, a lack of control. And that's what triggered it. And, you know, the rest of your life, you're going to lose control at times and it gets stressful. And, you know, we've seen it, right? Whether it's moving, whether it's, you know, stress with school, anything like that, it can trigger the thoughts again. But what's important is you develop the tools, right? So you obviously did the, the more intense therapy when you were younger. You continue with those tools. Obviously, we've been working together and you're able to more so recognize it now. And that's the important part. You recognize when it's happening. So you know what to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So no, that, no, that's definitely big because if, if you hadn't gotten taken care of that, or even if you waited three, two or three more years, which a lot of people do, they wait several years. till they get help. I don't think you would have been a D1 athlete, right? I don't even think I would have been alive, yeah, honestly. I, I didn't want to go that. I was thinking that. I didn't want to say that because it sounded more really, no, no, but like, it's true. Like, genuinely, it's... I remember when I first, like, got brought to, mm-hmm. um, like, like the inpatient the program center, yeah. I started in. Um, it was election day, so I didn't have school. And, I like, my mom would always take me to, like, vote with her. So she was like, okay, okay. like, let's go vote. And I was like, all right, like, let's go. Um, like, I couldn't even walk to the car. Oh my god! Because, like, every time I stood up, I would just be like so dizzy, um, and like had no strength. So I like plot twist: we didn't go vote. <laughs> we went to uh the like treatment center inside of 
a hospital and my mom basically just like dropped me off and was like listen like this is what needs to be done whether you like it or not like yeah you need to get help and they like took my vitals and stuff and they were like I literally don't even know how you're alive. My resting heartbeat was like 22. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So it was, it was intense. I needed to like literally do some, some crazy things to beg them to like not give me like a feeding tube. But um, yeah, it, it's not fun starting and the process isn't fun either but when you get to the other side it's like extremely rewarding and like you don't even realize like how much of like a twisted place that you were in Mm -hmm. so this might be kind of a weird question but do you feel like the the struggle you went through there like mentally and the i guess the willpower to get through it has that helped you as an athlete or especially as a runner like as far as being mentally tough and all that Oh, a hundred percent. I think it gives me so much of like another level of like grit and just ability to like dig deeper Mm -hmm. and like know also like when it hurts, like during a race or something, like I can always give more. Yeah. I can like think back to like that time and be like, this is what it was all for. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Yeah, like you've been through so much. Like, oh yeah, you're tired and or you know it hurts, but you've been through worse. Um, yeah, and that's no, it's awful. Yeah, because obviously, yes, as you know, I started to do more running myself, and it gets hard. And like, I haven't been through anything like that, but yeah, I try to think of something like push through that last mile when you're really like pushing, 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 and getting rough, and you know that all right, you made it through near death and you're here, you can finish this race. Um, and yeah, that's no, it's obviously very interesting and kind of, again, switching gears there a little bit, because like I said, if it wasn't, if you didn't get that help, you wouldn't have been a D1 athlete. You wouldn't have gotten to Maris. You wouldn't be where you are when you, you played soccer or you got, you got to Maris for soccer and then you quickly decided to switch to running. So I know it's obviously cause you weren't, you weren't playing much and all that, but like what made you decide to say like, Hey, I'm done with soccer. Let's try this brand new sport. Um, well, I was always like pretty fast. Um, I always ran like a lot in my soccer games. I would do like local five K's and like our Turkey trot and stuff. And yeah, I was always pretty fast. And then when I got to Marist, I had a bunch of friends on the cross country and track teams and they were like, no, like you should come join the team. You would be really good. And I was always like, no, like I could never like just run like, <laughs> without chasing a ball. Like, not yeah, running. that was my thought. Um, but one day I was just like, you know what? I actually think this is like the right choice. Okay. Um, so you knew it right away. Uh, yeah. What position did you play in soccer again? I played outside back. Uh, okay. I was going to guess midfield because I feel like all the midfielders are good at distance running because it's such an endurance. It's more of an endurance position, but outside back yeah. still is. Uh, a lot of endurance required um so obviously yeah you you switched you're like hey coach can i come join the running team um and you just you crushed it from there and obviously you found a a big joy from it you've continued with it which is great um 
so are you obviously very happy you made that decision right <laughs> yes i'm i'm so happy mm. i wouldn't change it for the world now as we know this disorder eating is present in all sports including soccer but it's obviously a lot more prevalent in running than it is in soccer did you notice any of that did you struggle more so or anything as you switched to that sport um i don't think that i really took notice okay of other people um i don't even think i was like much more aware myself until like a couple months really into my like collegiate running journey so um even though I ran a lot before it, it's a different kind of running I wasn't putting up 50 60 later 70 80 90 miles right. consistently so it was just like such a different level of volume so um when I started doing that I just dropped weight extremely quickly like without even realizing yeah um and it was actually at like that point when I kind of like relapsed again mm -hmm. um because then I actually started to realize like oh I'm now at x weight when i was at y and i lost this amount of weight because i've been doing this many miles and like i like i like the way i look whether it was healthy or not like i can see like my six-pack abs like all that stuff that like really doesn't matter um and i think that is around the time that we started working together okay yeah no that makes sense um that's that's interesting though. You you lost the weight unintentionally, right? You weren't picking up bad habits, just you weren't you weren't changing your nutrition with the training, right? So that's why you lost yeah. the weight. And then you saw how you looked and like, hey, I like this, I want to stay like this, even though it wasn't best for you. And it's kind of one of the posts, similar to a post I just uh put up where I talk about how like body positive comments can actually be harmful. Um, now I don't know if anyone said like, Hey, nice abs, but when you see it and be like, Hey, I like the way I look now, I want to stay this and you become restrictive, even though it's not good for you. Um, and then, yeah, that's when we started working together. And what's very interesting about our time together is you've gained a, a decent amount of weight since we started oh, completely intentional, obviously, uh, that was our goal all along, but a lot of runners are afraid to gain weight especially because the weight you gain as a runner is going to be mostly fat because you're not lifting three or four times a week in full workouts but have you gotten slower since gaining the weight no i have gotten like drastically drastically faster and yes like that's in combination with my training i would say i am one of the hardest working people i know <laughs> oh that's for sure and i run a lot I do I lift a lot like I do my core like I do all like the right things for my training but I stopped letting it go to waste by not like taking care of my body yeah um just on that note of you being a hard worker um it it makes me laugh because like sometimes like I like to sleep in a little bit on the weekends and like I'll literally wake up Saturday and it'll only be like 9 30 or something and I'll have a text from you and it's your breakfast. Like, here's my breakfast post 12 miles. I'm like, I just got out of bed. 
and you already ran 12 miles today. Um, but it, it, it shows to your character as far as, you know, being strong enough to get through an eating disorder, accept it and continue to build on it. So no, that's, that's a really, that's a really good point. Um, but yeah, it, the reason I wanted to bring up the other point was so many, not just runners, but athletes in general are afraid to gain weight because they think it's going to slow them down and, or they think that they need to lose weight to get faster. And that's really just not always the case, right? That only works if you're actually overweight. But if you're underweight, fueling your body properly is going to, you know, make you a better runner. Even if you gain weight with it, you're going to get faster because you're fueling your body better. And you notice that along the way, right? Like, hey, my body is moving better, feeling better. Um, you didn't get injured, which was fortunate. Um, but it's good, yeah, because you've, you know, there's times where you've done 80, 90 miles a week even at a higher weight or you had a, honestly, I don't think you did that those miles until you got to the higher weight because yeah, your body no, wouldn't be able to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been super fortunate that I haven't had any like running related injury, no stress fractures, like no shin splints, like yeah. nothing. And like, if definitely if like I continued down the path that I was on, I wouldn't be running. I wouldn't be running healthily. I would have like, little aches and pains and I think just like the consistency week after week that I've been able to put in um without having like oh my knee hurts I need to take a cross train day and like not that there's anything wrong with that by any means but because I've just been able to stack weeks upon weeks yeah. of like such quality training I've been able to get to the point like where I am now okay no that's that's definitely good um, and I guess on that note, between everything you've learned since you were in middle school and this all started to now being a graduate student, what is something from a nutrition standpoint that you've learned as a D1 or college athlete that, you know, maybe you wish you knew as a younger athlete? Probably that what you think is enough is never, it's not enough. That's, that's that's big yeah yeah it needs to be way more than you think it is yeah um at least like especially like growing up my parents were like extremely health conscious and like we never really had like a ton of dessert or like yeah. processed food in the house so like that is the way that i like naturally i would say like eat and like gravitate gravitate towards and yeah. i feel like you can sense that in like our sessions. Like, I've, <laughs> oh yeah, I've never had fast food in my life. Yeah, um, like I wasn't like allowed to have like sugary cereal yeah. when I was younger. Like a bunch of stuff like that. Um, so when I'm like building my own plates, I'm like thinking like, okay, like vegetables, like fruit, protein, etc. Um, and I'm like. I've gotten so much better at it. Oh yeah. But still it's like it's never gonna be enough. Yeah. Or not I shouldn't say never, but like if you're starting out, um, really like focusing on nutrition, basically just like eat way more than you think you <laughs> So need to. much more. And, and it's it like one thing that you always say that like after I repeat it to myself like a couple times it like really resonates with me just because like I kind of need to like talk myself into it because I have like this long history, but like you don't want to be normal. Yeah. 
And it's like, <laughs> you're right. I, I like, I don't want to be normal. I'm running 75 miles a week. I'm doing like all extra lifts, like core, et cetera, whatever. I don't want to be normal. I want to be the best. I don't yep. want to be like Joe Schmo, just who does nothing or runs five miles a day at whatever pace. And like, that's fine. That's just not what I want. Right. You want to be the best. You don't want to be an average runner. You were a division one runner. You were one of the best in the nation, right? You know, as we know, 2% of high school athletes go play D1 sport. So you're one of the top 2% runners in the nation. And you, you know, you couldn't survive at that level by eating like an average person, by eating a just one cup of rice. I mean, you needed more than that. You couldn't fill up with a bunch of colors and fruits and vegetables on your plate. You needed to make room for the higher calorie foods. And one thing you mentioned that was interesting is, yeah, part of it's how you grow up. You know, you can, you know, make as much decisions as you as you want or as you can. But when you're growing up and your parents are doing the grocery shopping or they're doing the cooking, it you're limited, right? And I mean, I know firsthand, right? Your your parents like it's all about the organic food and it's all about the health foods and and you mentioned, yeah, you never ate junk food and um especially at a young age when your parents are like, Oh no, don't eat that, that's bad for you or little little things like that. Whether you realize it or not, that triggers disordered eating behavior. So for any parents listening, that's something to really be careful of, like how you act around your kids. Um, I tell this to my sister a lot because so my niece is six years old. So she's getting to the age where, you know, it, she understands things a lot. Right. And so I always tell her, I'm like, hey, I told my sister, like, just be careful what you say around her. Right. You know, just don't talk about dieting. Um, don't be like, oh, I can't eat that because I'm trying to lose weight or it's not healthy. Like, just be careful because at six years old or any young child, they just hear that and they look up to the parents as role models and they're just going to take that and they're not going to understand where it's coming from. And you live your whole life now thinking sugar is bad, junk food is bad. Um, when you realize that it's all about the moderation and then even more so being an athlete, it's different. Because um, now I remember, right? One night you had, I remember, cereal, Cliff Bar, and an ice cream, Friday night snack. And then what happened the next morning? Yeah, that was the night before I raced my half marathon. And I actually won the whole thing. Yep. And that was the first time I'd ever, like, actually raced a half marathon. And I'd done, like, 13, 14, 15 mile long runs as, like, part of my training, but never actually, like, raced. And I was like, you know what, like, this is fine. Like, it'll only benefit me. Um, and I ended up running like, one nineteen twenty two. it was like, six oh, wow. 20 piece. Wow. Um, <laughs> I think that was like, two or three years ago now. Yeah, it was. But, yeah, it was shortly after we started working together. Um, yeah, I think it was like the it was like, it was like the fall of 2020. Because um, was that the yeah. one that got canceled? And then you ran on your own? Or no, that was the marathon. No, that, that was, was the marathon. That was yeah. The marathon. Yeah. But I remember, yeah, you 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 texted me, you're like, I won for my age group. And I'm like, oh my God, like that's incredible. <laughs> you had all these foods that never thought of eating before. And not only never thought of eating before, but you probably, you know, a year earlier thought if you ate that cereal or you ate a cliff bar, you ate ice cream, you were gonna have a horrible workout. Right. That's probably what your thought was a year before that. And your mind shifted when you start to not look at foods as a whole 
but look at what they're contributing. So yes, there's a lot of sugar in those foods, but the sugar fuels those runs. You're not sitting around on the couch, right? You're, you're running 70, 80 miles a week. Like you need that sugar. So that's really, no, that's really big because it's, it, there's a lot of food fears, a lot of f- food misconceptions. I think that really opens it up more, which is good. Um, cool. So kind of shifting gears there. Um, now I know right now as a graduate student, it's a little bit different. So maybe back to your, you know, when you're at Marist, what did a typical day look like for you as a, you know, undergrad athlete? So typical day, um, I'll do like a Tuesday. Okay. Cause that was like normally a good day. So my practices were in the afternoon. They were at 2 PM. So normally I would have like one or two classes in the morning. Um, and then I would have lunch, go to practice. Um, Tuesdays were one of our track workout days. So okay. we would go to the track, do a workout, come back, lift. Um, I would normally like go to the dining hall with my teammates, eat dinner, go to the library for a bit. And then around like 9 p.m., um, I would do my double. So I would do like another like three to four miles on the treadmill, go home, eat a snack, shower, get ready for the next day and do it all over again. Cool. Um, so this is actually something I wanted to ask you, and this is more for me to learn as a new runner. I noticed, yeah, it was, I know it was twice a week you did doubles. What, what's the purpose of that? Is it just because you couldn't get enough miles in the morning or is one supposed to be a lighter workout? Like why the double runs? So, um, my doubles would be on like my hard track days Okay. and it would be just to get more mileage, but also like to shake out like the lactic right. acid that was like built up in my legs. So it wasn't anything like super strenuous so I wasn't going like six minute pace or anything like on the treadmill okay. at my athletic center. Um, it'd be like seven forty-five, eight minute pace, like pretty chill. Which is slow for you. <laughs> <laughs> Fast um, for me, slow for you. Yeah. And then just like shake everything out basically. Okay. So it's a recovery run. Yeah. Okay. Um, now that was actually another question. Cause this is again, something I'm struggling with, with this training. Um, how do you like easy runs, right? Cause it's, you always want to have a good workout. You always want to push hard, but the easy runs going slow is obviously really important. What do you do either mentally or physically to make sure you're going slow and easy enough? Like, do you have any tricks? Um, well, most of the time I'm running with teammates. So okay. I'm like talking to them. Or, like, so that's or, smart. The talk test. Yeah. Yeah. So I know if I can't like hold a conversation, then mm-hmm. I'm going too fast. And like, okay. a lot of times I'll run with like the boys on my team. Mm-hmm. So like even with them, like when I'm running with them, I'm able to like have a conversation. I don't want to be like in the back, like puffing and puffing yeah. and like really like trying to like stay with them. So that's like normally my rule of thumb. And like, you don't need to like go fast every day. Right. Like, if you're not feeling good, like just go and like run by yourself. Like, yeah, like it kind of sucks, but like it's, you're going to be better off. So like yesterday I had a pretty tough workout. Um, I had a 30 minute tempo workout. So I did like two mile warm up, 30 minute tempo on the indoor track and then three mile cool down. So it was 10 miles total. Mm-hmm. Um, and today I like, I made sure to just like run alone. So I wouldn't be like pressured or anything. 
to go like a certain pace, um, took it nice and easy and I'll be ready for my track workout tomorrow. Okay. So that's a recovery. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. It's definitely, I've noticed that's like the easy runs are tend to be harder to like make sure I'm going slow enough. Cause like right now my pace in general, isn't like that fast. So the easy runs feel like very, very slow. I'm just like, all right, gotta do this. But the talk test is a good one because, you know, I'm not sure if everyone knows this, right? The talk test basically shows that your heart rate is low enough that you can hold a conversation, which means you're not in the anaerobic area. Yeah. You're still aerobic, which means you're not, uh, burning as many carbs and you're not, um, building up lactic acid. So that's, that's a good way to go about it. Um, cool. Now, for everyone else, what is a non-nutrition piece of advice that you would give to a high school athlete right now? A non-nutrition piece of advice. It's never that serious. Okay. It is never that serious. I have always been like an extremely, extremely type A person with like everything I do in my life, whether it's like how I like clean my room, like grades, just basically everything like super perfectionistic tendencies. And like that really manifests into like all aspects of my life. But like at the end of the day, it's really never that serious. And like the people in your life will love you for who you are. Like everything's going to work out in the end. I like everything in high school and middle school kind of seems like it's going to stay that way forever. But like five years, 10 years down the road, your life is going to be so drastically different and so much better than like you ever thought it could be. Okay. No, that's really good advice. Yeah. It seems to be a common theme from the that I'm hearing from a lot of athletes is don't take things too seriously or don't make your sport your whole life. Like, yeah, it's, it's a big part of you and yeah, you're adjusting schedule, you're waking up early to go running and things like that, but there's still, it's so important to enjoy the other things because you know, it, it's not always going to be there and, or when injuries happen, like you want to be able to enjoy everything. So that's, that's really good. Um, and I guess similar to that though, what is a valuable lesson that your sport has taught you about life in general? I think that running has taught me that I'm way stronger than I thought I could ever be mentally and physically. Oh yeah. Because physically did I ever think I would be running a 90 mile week with an 18 mile long run at like 650 pace and like two track workouts two track workouts where I was like hitting pace and like still executing everything well like never no um and then mentally just like knowing that you can take yourself to like such a place of like deep dark pain but like feel so good after is like crazy yeah yeah no that's definitely good yeah i've noticed that too um like with with running i notice i'm able to push myself harder like with lifting for so many years i just like i guess didn't have the desire motivation to like push really hard for that last rep and you know that's what you know slow down muscle growth things like that but with running i'm like 
I'm progressing quicker than I was with lifting. And I'm like, like you said, you can push yourself further. Like today, my run is supposed to be like 4.2 miles. I'm like, hey, you know what? Let's do 4.5. Right? Let's make it a little bit longer because I feel like I can. And it's that's the long run for the week for the, for me. So I'm like, all right, why not go a little bit further? Um, and it just shows, yeah, you're right. Like you can do so much. Um, and with running, it's, it's, well, at least when I do, it's just me out there. Um, and really, if you want, it can be just you, even if you're running with a group, you can just kind of have blinders on. Um, and it's a good time to just kind of escape and realize what you're capable of. So no, that's good. Um, cool. All right. So a couple fun rapid fire questions we have here. Um, so first chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. All right. Uh, I know the answer to this one morning or night person. Morning, yeah, for sure. I knew that. <laughs> um, and then would you rather run in the heat to like 80, 90 degrees or the extreme cold, like 30 degrees? 30 degrees isn't that cold. I well, you're in 30. Boston now. Okay. So for you, 20 degrees. <laughs> um, ooh, probably 20. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's always a tricky one. For me, like, I love the heat in general. Like, I would rather be 90 degrees every day than deal with snow but when it comes to working out like yeah i don't mind running in the cold um yeah. like if i have yet to run windy, in pants then... is that what i said if it's not windy then i'll take oh, it yeah. cold. yeah like even if it's 30 degrees i'm running in shorts because i just get so hot um like today it's 60 degrees for february and i'm like this is so high like it was hard to do the run because it's like yeah. it felt so warm um cool all right so all right one final question that i really have for you and this is kind of related to what we talked about earlier um, man, I'm sure it's a good one. Have you ever had someone comment on the way that you eat and how do you respond? Yeah. Yeah. Actually it happens a lot. Yeah. And I'm so lucky. I'm like in the place I am now where like, it really doesn't phase me. Um, but I was actually out to dinner with like my family and like some family friends and, um, someone said to me like one of my mom's friends so like it makes sense like their generation yeah um, like has like these thoughts but still like why would you ever say that to someone especially like knowing um like the history that even more so yeah it's true um so she was like just wow like you eat so much i don't know how you do it and i was like yeah i do but I also run 80 miles a week. There you go. So that was like, a great response. Um, that's all. Yeah. No further explanation needed. There you go. And what's interesting about though about her question is you could tell she didn't mean it in a bad way because she's like, oh, I don't know how you do it. As in like, yeah. she's impressed that you're eating that much, but that's still triggering. And it can or it can yeah. be triggering because it's you're commenting like, wow, you're eating so much. And a lot of people might not hear that second part where it's like all basically realizing that they're saying it's impressive. And your response is, you know, exactly what I tell everyone to do. Like, yeah, it's a lot, but running 80 miles a week is a lot. And I mean, I've told you that too, where it's like, yeah, you're eating a lot, but it's not normal to run eight, 80 miles in a week. It's not normal to say, oh, I just did an easy six miles, right? Like you can go slow for six miles, but for most people, that's still going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's so important to be like, you know, yeah. I need this. I need this food. I need this fuel and spot on response. Um, okay. So the uh, trade bar question of this podcast, and it's kind of how we wrap up because I'm sure everyone loves to hear this. What is your go-to pre-race meal? 
my go-to pre-race meal hmm well if i'm racing in the morning i'm gonna go with two pieces of toast peanut butter jelly a banana and a hard-boiled egg all right three hours out from the race nice nice fuel and breakfast that's it's a lot of food in a good way obviously it's a lot of food um something that i think a lot of runners would be scared to eat because they're worried about if it's too much or anything like that but you've you've found and you've shown that it's what fuels your body best right awesome awesome cool all right. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story. Um, I know it's going to help a lot of people. Do you have anything else that you want to add or, you know, share with the audience? Um, I would say just never be afraid to either like ask for help, like speak up or just like never be afraid to like eat more, like only good things can come from it like whether you're asking for help um like nutritionally whether you're asking for help like with mental health asking for help to become a better athlete whatever it is um don't be afraid because if you don't ask the answer will always be no that's great advice great advice um all right well again thank you so much for you know coming on the show um and everyone again you can listen on all podcast formats or if you want to watch the whole episode you can head to my youtube channel and again every episode is released on fridays at 7 a.m eastern